This is the second part of our chat about that sublime episode, A Sunday Afternoon at Home. Enjoy. This isn't the BBC Light programme. The Tony Hancock Appreciation Society presents, ooh, very nearly an armful, a Tony Hancock podcast. Hello and welcome to Very Nearly an Armful, brought to you by the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society. On the podcast, we'll be discussing Tony's famous show, Hancock's Half Hour. We'll discuss the show, the production and what we liked about it. We rate and review the episode and just generally get our geek on about vintage comedy. We're your hosts. I'm James Griffith. I'm Martin Gibbons. I'm John Street. And I'm Tim Elms. And we're spread across the south of the UK in line from Wiltshire to Essex via Kent. And our members are spread all over the world. We have members in Wokingham, Nottingham, Gillingham and Nottingham. And in this podcast, we'll be discussing arguably one of the most hilarious, almost plotless half hours, all about sitting around on a rainy day with nothing to do. The highly regarded classic, A Sunday Afternoon at Home. This was originally broadcast on Tuesday the 22nd of April 1958. This was also the first episode to be released on LP alongside The Wild Man of the Woods in April of 1960. First of all, chaps, what's everyone been up to this week? I know we often talk about things we've been watching. I got out a, a box set recently. I can't think how long ago. I think it was a couple of years ago. I think I put it on my wish list. And I think Santa might have bought it for me one year. But it's a box set of all the survival, all the colour episodes of Sipes. I think uh-huh. there's a, it's, it's something like a 10-disc a, a box set with about 80-odd episodes. And it's, it's really interesting watching it because what I hadn't realised is that when these colour episodes come out in 1970 or whatever, they, they were based on the original black and white ones that come out in 1960. And they sort of reworked the scripts from the original series, which was called Sykes Ander, and it was a different Ander every week. Right. And then they, they redid it and, and made these colour episodes just called Sykes. But it's um it's quite interesting I find because the the executive producer was Dennis Main Wilson of uh, Hancock fame, and and the cast I mean I, I I've watched two, I haven't watched all the episodes but I started watching them and the number of guest stars in it or supporting stars in it that come from Hancock is just incredible. There there's Richard Wattis of course um is from Hancock, Derek Guiler, Hattie Jakes, yeah, Peter Sellers, Graham Stark, Jimmy Edwards. You know, a fantastic lineup of supporting the start. And of course, Hancock had worked with them all in one way or another. Have you read the paper? I've been burned. <laughs> Look, local householder broken into and entered. Oh. It's a jolly good picture of me, isn't it? Look, definitely it's a jolly good picture of me. <clears throat> Wait a minute, isn't that a corner of our door? Yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, those new curtains have come out nicely, haven't they? Can I help you? Oh, no, no. I want to keep it, if you don't mind. The photographer's managed to catch rather a nice expression on my face. Are you aware that you left this car outside last night? Oh, it's all right, Constable. It won't come to any harm. We have a rug over the bonnet, you see. (laughs) Running charring after its welfare, madam. You see, if you leave a car out overnight, the law says you must have a light on it. Yes, I saw that, madam, but you see, having a lamp is not enough. It has to be lit. (laughs) Well, it's not lit now because it's light. Yes, but you see, it's not light all the time, is it? You see, round about eight o'clock at night, there's a nasty habit of getting dark. (laughs) You 
see, I know, because I have to knock about in it. And if your lamp had been lit last night whilst I was patrolling, I wouldn't have walked into the back of your car. Oh, I am sorry. So am I, madam. I broke my glasses. Oh, dear. Yes, these are the wives. Oh. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant series. Mm. My favourite one, because I think um, the, the one's called Sykes and a Bath does survive some do it's a black and white episode i, I have seen it on uh, on a video on a vhs um i don't think it's ever come out on dvd but um it's where he has a bath and gets his toes stuck in the bathtub and has to go to hospital with tap uh, stuck on <laughs> what is it now can you get mr brown <laughs> oh, not again! Yes, my toe. <laughs> I don't like to ask him. Are you sure your toe's stuck in the tap? Well, of course I'm sure it's stuck in the tap. I'm sitting here facing it. <laughs> it's right there. Oh, look, I think all the water's getting cold. Oh, what's the matter with It's stuck up the hot water tap. <laughs> oh, I'm asking to bring us by the hat. Um, and then that, I think, was then repeated. Well, not repeated, but remade, as you say, into one of the colour episodes. So a, a, it's a yeah, brilliant mm. series. And Hattie Jakes absolutely shines in that as well. Um, yes. As, as yes. his sister. Um, it's great to see. Well, that, that's another similarity to Hancock, because when Galton and Simpson brought Hattie into Hancock's half hour, it, it wasn't a girlfriend for Hancock. It was an adversary. It was someone he could have a go at, his secretary, and they could have this sort of banter. And the same thing happened with Sykes because the original plan was that Hattie would play Sykes's wife. Um, that was in the original proposal. But then Eric Sykes said, well, hold on a minute. I think it'd be funnier if we were brother and sister. Um, and then he said, hold on a minute. It'd be funnier still if we were twins. So, uh, you know, it's again, it's a bit similar to, to Hancock by having a, a, a non-domestic. You've missed the end of the anecdote. And then he said, and it'd be even funnier if we were meant to be identical twins. Oh, sorry. Yes, identical twins. (laughs) Couldn't think of two more dissimilar people, could you? No. It was was great. You get um, outtakes on the DVD as well, which which are quite funny. I love watching outtakes anyway. There's one involving Jimmy Edwards, which is hilarious. And you know what an ad-libber he was and all that sort of stuff. I mean, they were... You know, in a right, he was um, he was playing the boss, and uh, Graham Stark walks into the boss's office. Eric Sykes is is the new man in the factory, and he's meant to say, "How's the new man settling down in the tool shop?" But instead of saying that, he said, "How's the new man settling down in the tool shed?" <laughs> so they said, "All right, okay, well we we'll go back and do it again." So Stark goes back outside, and then uh, they start the scene again, and he knocks on the door and comes in. And Jimmy Abbott says, uh, how's the new man's tools settling down in the shed? <laughs> and, they, they did, uh, and at that point, Stark just sort of lost it completely and he just fell about laughing. But it's, uh... The BBC are all perfectionists. And I said tool shop instead of tool shed. No, he said tool shed instead of tool shop. <laughs> Whatever I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to run the little scene again, and we do hope that you will laugh as immoderately <laughs> as you did the first time. It's a singularly unfunny scene written by Mr. Eric Sykes. <laughs> we'll run it again, shall we? Just to knit it all together. And when you see the show in 1974, you'll never... <laughs> all right, I'll run the bloody thing. <laughs> Come 
in, Fretchaw. Uh, come in, ah, Fretchaw. Tell me, how's the new man's tool settling down in the shed? <laughs> Come in. Good morning, Fletcher. That's a new man settling down in the tool shop. Oh, I'm, a, I'm afraid he isn't, sir. I mean, he isn't. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't look at you. But it's, it's a great, great series. And, and Peter Sellers makes an entrance to one of them as well. As, a, as like an ex-convict who's come back to uh, claim Hattie's uh, hand in marriage. Sorry to keep throwing you about, mate, but don't you know who I am? Yeah, why don't you and Peter Pan with a crutch? <laughs> no, I'm Tommy Grando, little Tommy Grando. Don't you remember? Wait a minute, didn't you run away to sea? Yeah, that's right. Tommy Grando. Yeah. Little Tommy Grando. And we all used to play round right the back of the old bakery there. That's right, we did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Little Tommy Grando. Yeah, that's right. Little Tommy Grando. You was always hitting me, weren't you? <laughs> sort of a, men a menacing convict, and it's really funny, absolutely superb stuff. And there's some great physical comedy in that bit. Yeah, yeah. The outtake yeah. of that is quite funny because he bites off Hattie's earring, doesn't he? May I ask who you are? Certainly, darling. This is who I am. Come here. Just, come on. Just give a come here. Please. Oh, oh. Look, mate, I'm sorry to keep throwing you around and all that. Honey, you... Don't you know who I am? <laughs> no, no, no I, I don't. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I just bit her earring off. <laughs> and, um, and that's the fascinating thing about this series, yes. is that the original master tapes for the first series certainly still existed. So when they brought out the first series on DVD, which is the only one I've seen on disc, uh, they recut the episodes from the master tapes so they're slightly longer than they were when broadcast. And then, oh, of course, okay. that's why they have all the outtakes. They, they exist because the master tapes still existed. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The rest of the series, when that came out on DVD, was just what was broadcast. But it's nice that you've got that for the first series. Yeah, yeah. He's back now to ask for the address of the Darby and Joan. Ah, there we are. Mr. Mr. Sykes? Why? Well, my name's Hetherington, you see. Lord Hetherington. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry, Your Lordship. Oh, and it didn't mean any disrespect. Disrespect is the most heartwarming thing that's happened to me in a long time. I, I commend you for your honesty. Well, I've been to... Uh, I did say that I was going to try and find Hancock Street in Johannesburg. Oh, yes. oh did you get yes. there? No, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> uh, we were there for three days, but I was only 45-minute walk away, which I was going to do, but unfortunately got advised not to walk the streets. There's a lot of pickpocketers, a lot of, lot of crime over there, and there's mm. lots of guns, uh, which is quite disconcerting. Mm. I think we went to uh, Nelson Mandela Square on the last day before we went to the airport, and we asked a, a security guard who was patrolling to take a picture of us outside the uh, next to the statue of Nelson Mandela. And he pulled a gun on us. So uh, we promptly retreated like brave mm. soldiers that we were. 
<laughs> run away, run away, run yeah. away, run away. Yeah, but we were only there for three days, and it was quite intense three days. Did manage mm. to uh, go on a little safari when we first arrived, but with the long travel, uh, with an 11-hour flight either side of just a three-day stay, it was quite tight to uh, find a space. But we are going back out there. Um, so I will, I do want to make it happen. I was looking on Street View thinking, oh, I could probably get there. But it was quite late at night by the time we finished work. And uh, I didn't really fancy walking the streets at night. I, I think you should mention, James, that you did send us a picture of you getting close and personal with an elephant. Yeah, perhaps I'll put that on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> this is what your yeah. hosts do on the weekend kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just, a, just one of my hobbies. It, were, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. And. Johannesburg, Johannesburg, very Joburg. Uh, diverse. Joburg, let's play it safe. That's what us cool guys on the street say. Yeah, quite a big disparity of uh, wealth. Yeah. But the people were absolutely amazing. Uh, lovely, lovely, lovely people. When they weren't pulling a gun on you. When they weren't pulling guns on us. <laughs> but they were. I will say they were lovely as well, because you don't want to upset them. No, of course not. And then been moving house, solidly. How far have you moved? Just down the road? Just down the road, yeah. Not mm. very far at all. Um, mm. Just walking bits and bobs back and forth, trying to save a few quid by not renting a van or getting anyone to do it for us, which slowly regretted now with young children. The neighbours thought you were burglars um, yeah. stealing someone's property. <laughs> it did look like when myself and my partner were sort of walking a sofa down the road, it did feel like we are doing some sort of fun <laughs> run. Yeah, <laughs> chucking, like chucking coins at me. Uh, just wear a high vis jacket. I think you're a professional. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, is your advice not to move house then, just with a wheelbarrow? Is that the the advice? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I did have a sack truck, and then only only when I uh, got ready to move the washing machine did I realise that all of the tyres is completely shredded. So I had a wonky sack truck, which is actually harder than carrying it. Oh dear, not great. But yeah, very very busy few weeks for me. Very very busy. I haven't had time to. I haven't got TV yet. So uh, I haven't watched anything, no internet. I'm tethering off my phone as we speak. And it's been that way for the best part of a week now. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a reset happening. Living in the dark ages. Yeah. It feels quite nice, actually, not having... Although you have got 4G, haven't you? But it's quite nice not having live TV. I don't think I'm missing much, to be honest. No, you're not. No. Probably not a great deal. I last thing I went out to see was I went out to a, the art centre in Colchester, which is a, a deconsecrated church, to watch an old horror movie called Zombie Plague of the Zombies, and uh, from 1966 with uh, Andre Morel as the lead. Very good in that. And it was only when the end credits came up, sitting in this cold, cold church of a late of a night, uh, that I realised that there's one member of Hancock's Half Hour cast that was in it, which was Dennis Chinnery, played Policeman Number Two. Oh right, so that's oh, right, my okay. Hancock link for the week, I think. That's a good spot. He, he was a bit of an artist too, wasn't he? We've got mm. some things in the archives, some drawings and things of our of Hancock that um, Dennis Chinnery had, had done. Mm -hmm. So he's uh, he's a bit like you, John, a bit of yeah. an artist. Bit of a scribbler. Talking about uh, old horror films and stuff, um, going back to where he was talking about the Riverside Studios, you, you'll be pleased to know, John, they're doing a double feature of Doctor Who movies um, in the very near future. Is it Doctor Who Invasion Earth? 2150 AD. Yeah, that's it. Something that's like that. Dalek Invasion of Earth. Peter Cushing, is that as the Doctor? Because I remember the Peter Cushing one when I was, I remember going to see that when yeah. I was a kid. He had the pictures. And I remember, I remember going to see it and getting very upset because it wasn't the real Doctor Who. 
Well, he, he plays Doctor Who, and he speaks very much like that. And he's yes. very different to the television series. But he is, he's great in that, Peter Cushing. It's the yeah. first encounter yeah. I had at Doctor Who. And I, I really like Peter Cushing. That's why I have a life cast of his face on my wall. Martin's seen it. I'm a weird man. I have man. seen that. I have seen that. <laughs> Am I allowed to say, John, that I've never seen the films? Is that really bad for me to say that? <laughs> something, something, I need to, something I need to correct. Well, you've, seen, you've probably seen... You've seen something, although there's a surprising number of people who are in Hancock's Half Hour in them, you'll, you'll, you'll be glad to see. There's uh, quite a few other comedy actors. The chap who, um, the Welsh guy, he's, he died a few years ago, you know, who uh, plays villains in a lot of things, um, is a villain in the Dalek Invasion of Earth one. And uh, he's the German U-boat commander in the Dad's Army episode who puts the grenade down uh, Jones's trousers. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's in it. He's a great actor. Yes. Who is your favourite Doctor, John? Favourite Doctor? Well, it sort of varies, really. I mean, Colin Baker's really good if you listen to the radio plays he's done for the last 20 years. Of the modern era, you know, Peter Capaldi was very good, but I think, I think I'm think i a bit of a third Doctor fan. John Pertwee, you know. I say, yeah. Joe. Uh, doing, doing the voices again. Yeah, I, I do like John. Oh, no. Sorry, I don't dealt with it. Dealt with it? You've ruined it. But your match was on fire. Three months of delicate work, and now look at it, your ham-fisted bun vendor. But this whole place might have gone up in flames. My dear young lady, steady-state micro-welding always creates more smoke than fire. Steady-state micro-welding? Yes. An advanced engineering technique pioneered by the Lamadines. Tom Baker's good, but he's mad as box of frogs. I got his weird... I, I, I just thought Sylvester McCoy. I, I don't mm-hmm. know why. I really like him. I, can't, I know he's not the most famous, but I just think he's brilliant in him. Gotta give myself more warning. Brigadier, you race. See to the ship. Explosives, Doctor. Now you're talking. Yes, we'll give Arthur a warrior's burial. Maybe it's the way he rolls his R's. Maybe. Mm. But John Pertwee for me, because it was the Doctor that I saw first as a, as a kid. Mm. So, so it was sort of the original for me. I know, not the, the very first one. The original, you might say. Indeed. And I loved his, I loved his little old car as well. Oh, Bessie, yes, yes that's great <laughs> oh, fun. Oh, Bessie the car. He has so. a thing called a, a Hoomobile in one of them, which looks a bit like a kind of a sort of eel-like type thing, which he had custom-made and then would drive around London until the police told him, excuse me, sir, would you not do that? Because uh, people are rubbernecking and having accidents when they see you drive past in this uh, <laughs> mobile. Yeah, so, bizarre. I remember the first Doctor, William Hartnell. Who, who was the second one, then? Patrick Trouton. Come on, Willie, the whole place is going to blow up. Oh, it's quite all right, Jerry. The planet is quite safe. There's just going to be a localised volcanic eruption. It'll only affect the island. Maybe so, but we happen to be on the island. Oh, my word! Ah, oh, yes. right. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I liked John, him John, as well. John was the yeah. third, wasn't he? Yeah. He was indeed. Patrick Troughton had this, this thing of... Uh, him and Jamie, who obviously the companion you met, um, Strazer Hines, and, uh, they, they go... Uh, Look at the size of that thing, Doctor. Ah, yes, it is a big one, isn't it, Jamie? And um, would often do a, a little <coughs> cough between lines when he couldn't quite remember his word or as a kind of aid memoir. <laughs> Look at the size of that thing, Doctor. Yes, Jamie, it is a big one. Just a wee laboratory, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. So the other thing I did this week, 
after doing the Riverside was go to the Royal Albert Hall and saw the brilliant Nick Mason's Souls Are Full of Secrets and Nick Mason, the drummer with Pink Floyd, recreating a lot of the very early Pink Floyd material with his new band, which was uh, which was brilliant. They just do live material from the albums from from 67 through to 73. So that, you know, the, the, the real experimental stuff with a fantastic light show to match. So that was a it was a great evening out. Yes, and we saw your picture because you accidentally WhatsApped it to the wrong group, I think, didn't you? Yeah. But then it went up on Facebook. So it wasn't one of you, you know, in your undies at least. <laughs> could be could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose we should um go over any any Hancock news, I think, other than the events that we had recently. <laughs> So the ATV series DVD is out in July. I think we've already mentioned that. And of course, the book that Tim and I, along with Lucy Hancock, have written is due out in August. So just a reminder to everyone, www.tvbrain.info will get you to the shop where you can put your pre-orders in. And I don't know if it's sold out. I haven't looked, but there's a limited edition of the book, just 100 copies with a dust jacket. So definitely worth uh, worth. Having a look at, uh, say, the TV Brain site and uh, getting a pre-order in, and the the 1956 series is still available from that source. And by the time mm. this podcast goes out, it should be also be on Amazon. And both the ATV series and the book, I believe, will be on Amazon at some point in the future as well. Yeah, so I look forward to reading the book, What You Wrote, um, and the, mm. the Dust Jacket version as well. I understand that that's got a, a sort of a fabric hardback to it with the embossed text and the dust jacket over the top so it's not just a, a printed copy with a paper sleeve it, it is a, a nicely bound old-fashioned type book with the dust jacket it is a different set uh, yes it is a different book different binding um as you say different binding for the book and also for the 1963 series dvd john and nick have been working very hard i believe on doing some restoration work on the audio files for hancock's 1967 series set in a set in a nightclub um it's been agreed that those shows and all six of them survive although i think one of them is incomplete and missing some of the musical um, material but all, all six of those are going to be included on the atv series dvd as bonus items so these shows were never ever repeated so unless you've been lucky enough to um, hear a, an off-air copy from the society's archives these will all be new to hancock fans and they are included on the dvd as an extra and the sound quality of them is pretty reasonable, barring that one episode that has the music cut out, which is of a from a slightly inferior recording, but it's the only one that existed. So um, at, at least we've got at least we've got it, even if it's not quite as pristine as the others. I think I really would prefer the larger and larger. Since <laughs> <laughs> I've knocked myself out for that. <laughs> Pity, well then we'll have the Reasley. All right, right. Uh, we've uh, shifted another one to lose. Stick a reasoning label on a bottle of cider. Does anybody else want the word? Because I'm knocked out. I don't mind telling you. Yeah, it should be good. And I think, John, the last three minutes of episode two were recorded on, and I'm going to hopefully get this right, a reel-to-reel video recorder back in the 60s. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think probably the whole episode had been recorded. Whoever recorded it didn't fancy keeping it and recorded over it. But the last three minutes 
survive at the end of whatever they put on the tape afterwards. So we've got the last three minutes of video of episode two, which also will be on the DVD as a bonus item. So it's going to be a really nice release with all of the 63 series plus all of the audio of the 67 series plus these three minutes of, uh, of video as well. Albeit that that is very definitely not a particularly high quality video, but it would be lovely for everyone to be able to see it. They have their exits and their entrances in one man who's saying there's many Tony Hartzuck must just cut the comedy. That's not comedy, that's pucker Shakespeare. <laughs> Is this all right for the film? Not now, Stavely, get out of it. Blimey, Goldie's got out again. <laughs> It's certainly not broadcast standard. It was a, an open reel Shabadan video recorder, which was the same sort of thing that Ray and Alan recorded the Steptoe episodes on that only exist in black and white, which were originally colour. However, that was made some 15, well, 10 years or so later. So uh, the technical quality of the recording isn't so great, but it is, you can watch it. It's a picture. So that's nice. Yeah, that will be nice. Indeed it will. I've got a, an email from a Pete Kirby uh, enjoying the podcasts. He was listening to the Poetry Society um, the other day and it reminded him of a recording he had from the early 80s on the day of a uh, wedding of Charles and Diana. He went for friends to see a band play at the Marquee in London um, and supporting the band was a comedy duo called Trimmer and Jenkins. He subsequently bought their album and there is a track on there called... Oh, the album's called, sorry, Jazz and Poetry. And there's a line in there that has sort of ick ock uh, which kind of lends to the theory about more Hancock-inspired music. I, I don't think hick hack is is uh, Hancock original, is it? It's, it's Latin, isn't it? I think. I think it's... Well, we'll have to have a listen to it. It's called Jazz mm. and Poetry, so... Um, mm. So it could be the link that it's Hick Highcock from the poetry it side could of be. that. Mm. But you are right, Tim. Yeah, Hick Highcock isn't wasn't an original composition from Ray and Allen. How oh, was it not? I always assumed it was. No, no. Mm. Mm. I see. I just thought it was, you know, like Obscovolob. They'd made it up. But no, it's uh, a bit of Latin they used. Fascinating. They were clever lads, those two. They certainly were. They certainly were. Hmm. Mm. And just whilst we've been chatting, I've uh, looked up Google Translate and Hickeycock is indeed Latin and literally translated means this is here. And we have another piece of news. The Riverside Studios in London are going to be showing another triple bill of Hancock's half hour episodes on the 25th of June. The Riverside is where five series of Hancock's half hour were made from 1957 to 1960. And back in April, as part of their BBC at the Riverside celebration, they put on three episodes of Hancock's Half Hour on the big screen, which we mentioned in a previous podcast. And that event was a brilliant success, and the studios have now agreed to put on three more, which is fantastic. The shows will be There's an Airfield at the Bottom of My Garden, The Two Murderers, and The Economy Drive. That's the one which many fans say is their favourite, of course. Martin and I will introduce the episodes, as we did last time, and there'll be a Q&A afterwards. So really looking forward to that. As I say, it's on uh, Saturday, 25th of June, 2pm, at the Riverside Studios in Hammersmith in London. It's a fantastic venue. Very different now, of course, to when Hancock was there. But it's right by the river. There's a bar, coffee shop and restaurant, tables outside. What a lovely place to spend the afternoon and meet other Hancock fans. So uh, hopefully we'll see you there. 
had a nice uh, complimentary emails from a couple of members, Matthew Newton and Kerim Salih, both wrote to say how much they're uh, enjoying the podcast and stuff. So, so that was great to hear. Also had an email from Elton Merrion. I mean, we saw Elton the other day at, at the Riverside Studios, actually. He came along to the screening and uh, he, he was he sent an email saying how much he enjoyed the society's digital supplement online. It's called uh, the bonus pages. So this is the supplement we get to our magazine, The Missing Page. Well, in the bonus pages, we did a little feature because Ray Galton's house had come up for sale. And there were pictures online of his house from from the estate agents and people like that. Looks lovely, doesn't it? You say house, it is more of a palace, isn't it, really? It is, isn't it? Yes, it's a massive massive huge mansion with Mm. all sorts of fancy twiddly bits inside it. Goodness me. He did did all right for himself, didn't he, Ray? (laughs) He, He invested his money very wisely. But Elton was saying that he used to live quite close by Ray and they used to, um, he used to meet him in the pub and stuff. And uh, they often met up in, in the local pub and, and had a drink. And he actually uh, told us a quite funny story on one occasion when he met Ray. But I'm not going to say what that is now because we're going to put it in the, uh, in the missing page in our July newsletter when it, when it comes out. So, uh, so there's something there for members to look forward to. Elton's story about uh, in the pub with Ray. So, uh, yeah, that's great. I'll look forward to seeing that. We also had an email from Sonia Jones about uh, poems in the Poetry Society being similar to ones in Lord Byron lived here. Hmm. I think my take on that is I'm, I'm, I'm not sure they are the same. And I wonder whether Sonia's getting a bit confused with the poem in Wild Man in the Woods because... Uh, the poems in the Poetry Society and Lord Byron lived here don't, I'm not, I can't think of any that are actually similar to each other. But in Lord Byron, there is a poem that says, O wondrous moon who shines its beam across the pine trees of East Cheam. Sonnet to the moon by Byron, Lord. <laughs> o wondrous moon who shines its beam across the pine trees of East Cheam. (laughs) I'm very pleased to see your light. Coming out tomorrow night. (laughs) And in the uh, radio show, Wild Man of the Woods, there's O Wondrous Moon with Silvery Sheen who throws its light upon East Cheam. But the, the subsequent lines are different in each of those, but they're very, very similar poems. So one of those is in the TV episode, Lord Byron Lives Here, and the other one is in the radio episode, The Wild Man of the Woods. I don't know what you guys think of the poems and the similarities. Do you know what? I hadn't noticed that similarity between Wild Man and Lord Byron. I hadn't spotted that, but but I, I agree. I can't see the similarity with Poetry Society and Lord Byron because mm. the, 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 the Lord Byron ones are almost like sort of comic type poems that, that are supposed to be Lord Byron but have been written by Sid, whereas yes. they're very avant-garde type poems in the Poetry Society with no mm. real sort of immediate you can't see any immediate meaning to them of course mm-hmm. all the cast of the poetry society you see lots of meaning in them all those different colors and um mm-hmm. perceptive auras wobbling and all that incandescent by william yeah i i must admit i think the uh the final line that uh, he reads where hattie rubbed it out to make for the chiropodist appointment two o'clock yeah. friday chiropodist 
Uh, I can't remember mm. what the preceding line is off the top of my head. I From can... lofty heights and through the mist. Through the mist. Two o'clock Friday, Friday That's, That's my favourite. Yes. I love that. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know, you can't mm. you can't get your boots on if you don't get your corn seen to once a week. <laughs> Brilliant line. <laughs> Listen to this. Sonnet by A.H. <laughs> oh, wondrous moon. Oh, wondrous moon with silvery sheen. Who throws its light upon East Cheam? <laughs> From lofty height and through the mist, two o'clock Friday, Chiropody. <laughs> How did that get in? Where's the last line of my poem? I rubbed it out to make room for the chiropodist appointment. <laughs> you know you can't get your boots on if you leave your corn for more than a week. And there was a tweet from... Uh... I don't know if you want to mention this one or not. It's about the link between Hancock's Half Hour and Chariots of Fire. Did we do that? Haven't seen that. Do you remember that one? Don't think we have. Don't no. remember that one. I think it's been mentioned, but only on WhatsApp. I think he put it on Facebook. I can't remember what the link was. Was it like a either an engineer or something worked on Hancock's Half Hour and was also on Chariots oh. of Fire or something? And then he said, I think that's one for the podcast. <laughs> that's pretty obscure, wasn't it? <laughs> Harry Zimmerman. Harry Zimmerman yeah. was the costume designer or something on this film. Obviously That's not a it. real person. Well, it, a real person, but not you know, a fictional person in the Hancock world. Yes. He did say if he gets a name check on the podcast, does he get a badge? Well, badge in the post. <laughs> Absolutely. No promises. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's no badge. Where it's going to, I couldn't reveal. No, no badge. It's just tea and biscuits, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> not even a packet of wine gums. They do ones in all black ones in now, you know. Yeah, so I've heard, so I've heard. And now we return to our main subject of a Sunday afternoon at home. I I like the bit where he's staring at the wallpaper and he can oh, see little yeah. shapes. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to do that. Yeah. Look, look, there's Hitler or whatever yeah. it might be. Just it really encapsulates that boring. I mean that that's a sketch on its own, isn't it? With you know, it where is. he's going, look, 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 and and all that. Mm. I mean you I mean that's just a fantastic Oh he's got a dog with him now. Yeah. Do you notice when you look at that wallpaper long enough, you can see faces in it? <laughs> Honest? Yes, yes, you can. You can see faces after a time. It's the pattern, it makes little faces. There's a lovely one of an old man with a pipe. Where? Come over here, look, 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 look at it from where I'm sitting, see? Screw your eyes, screw your eyes up, now stare hard, stare hard. <laughs> squint, squint, squint a bit, squint a bit. That's it, that's it, that now, now, concentrate on that bit by the serving hatch. See it? No. Yes, look! It's there, plain as eggs. Look, 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 look along my finger. See, see? There's his nose, there's his pipe, and there's his hat. See it? No. Of course you can see it. There's dozens of them all over the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same, almost exactly the same as the joke in the set that failed, where he's he, they're bored and he's like, look, 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 yes. look up there. Turn your yep. head, turn your head. No, yep. no, turn it like that. No, yeah, see? You know, it's Hitler. Oh, look! That damp stain on the ceiling there. They never use. No, 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 but look, look, come on, look, 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 look. Just look, just, just, just like Hitler, see? Where? Look, there he is, you can see his moustache, see? Now, cut your head round here, see? <laughs> see, can you see him now? No. Yes, of course you can, there's his ear, look. No, it looks just like a damp stain to me. That's the one where the camera's up the top, isn't it? It is, yes. yeah, it's on a rostrum of some the kind. camera's looking down on them, yeah. And, um, mm. yeah, so that, there's lots of little moments in this, actually, that you, you recognise from some of the other episodes or some con concepts that they sort of came back to. And, and that's sort of one that particularly stuck out. 
And then, of course, they go on about Bill and Ben, the flowerpot men, Ob Scobblob. Scobblob. Hey, what time's children's hour on? What do you want to see children's hour for? Oh, Bill and Ben, the flowerpot men might be on. <laughs> I like them. Oh, you mean Scobblob and Olob? Yes, Oh, yes, yes, Scobblob, yes, they're very good. Ah, uh, it's no good, the set's broken. Oh, do you like, you know, the children's television, all that sort of, and I'm sure they've mentioned that in the TV show as well, actually. Mainly when they're talking about television because they've got nothing to do. That small talk, you know. That little section where he's talking about when the pub opens at seven, he says, oh, there's no one up there anyway on a Sunday. And he talks about Harry, the governor, and uh, Gladys, the barmaid. And Gladys. I mean, when you actually look at it, when you see it written down, it's it's not particularly funny, but it's it's the way he did his delivery. It's this brilliant way that Hancock does this and and delivers it, and and it comes mm. over, you know, in these sort of hushed tones where where he's talking about what what's going on at the pub. I told Harry, you know, I went up there and I saw him <coughs> quietly, mm. and the bottle and jug I got him on one side. And I said, Harry, mm. I said, what did you get rid of Gladys for? She was a fair piece, you know. <laughs> Her arms were a bit thick, but what can you expect when she's pulling pints all day long? Well, it's almost a little aside piece, isn't it? You sort of, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, hand slightly across the mouth. Yeah. You know, you yeah. never guess what. Yeah. A bit of gossip, a little bit of gossip. It, it's done in that little undertone, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the different tones used mm. by, well, all of the cast, really, as you go through this episode, mm. it just really brings all the... Um, Mm. All the words to life. It's like like when next door's going out. Hello, hello. What? What's the matter? Over the road's going out. Shh, shh. Say nothing. Say nothing. Shh, shh. Quiet, quiet. Look behind the curtain. Don't let them see you. <laughs> That's the first time they've been out together for ages. It's a real. I think it's like a real masterclass in acting because he he like I say he has that gossipy. Of course, her arms are a bit thick, but. What do you expect from pulling pints all along? And, you know, just the way he <laughs> slips in and out of characters, yeah, like the board, the right. boredom. There's almost like yeah, three yeah. or four different stages. Yeah. I, mean, I wish I'd actually counted how many different sort of styles of acting there were in this. Shouldn't have shoulders that size with a small head like he's got. <laughs> here, come here, quick, quick, look, look, look. Oh, swipe me. Look, look, he's wearing gloves. Look at him, look at him. Look at him carrying one, carrying one. <laughs> oh, my word, aren't we posh here? Look at this. Of course, it's her that's pushing him, you know. She wants him to get an office job. And then you've got the little aside about the, um, the, the neighbours across the street going out, and mm. Uh, um, mm. she, was, she was with the milkman, you know. I wonder where they're going. She found out about him and that girl, you know. Never. Mm. He said he had to work late, and she saw them that night in the pictures. Shocking, wow. Was there? Yes, she was with the milkman. <laughs> Our milkman? The one with the big nose? Yes. He gets around, doesn't he? <laughs> there was that trouble with number 28 last month. And there was the punch-up with the husband at 31. You wouldn't think he'd attract women with a hooter like that. <laughs> you wouldn't think he'd pick up so many birds with a hooter like that. It's, it's what being a radio actor is all about, isn't it, really? It's the intonation. You know, it's not, it's not just someone turning up at the studio and reading lines. It's actually, yeah. to be able to do this sort of thing on, on radio is, is hugely skillful, isn't it? It mm. is, and it's about sort of the, the vocal placement of where you are, they are in relation to the microphone because, you know, there'll be a little, you know, they'll be talking like that away from the microphone like, and then there'll be mm. a little aside where you, you wouldn't believe mm. what's happened there and they get right up close to the microphone. And you can you can yeah. hear it in the less yeah. compressed yeah. versions yes. yeah. uh, uh, on the nice CDs, not necessarily in every MP3 you can find elsewhere, so... You should definitely get the CDs. 
but that does stand out it always does and particularly mm. in this one and i think hattie again is great in this one yeah you you can imagine him standing at the window with hattie watching the people going up the road he says which which way are they going if, if they're going up the road, they're going to see his sister in Acton. If it's the other way, they're going to see his mother in Tooting. And that's yeah. stuff. It's just br- absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Shades of the new neighbour as well, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. Yes, yeah. Which way are they going? Which way? Down the street or up the street? Up, I think, aren't they? Oh, yes, up. Let's see up. Yes. Oh, yes, they'll be going to see his sister in Acton. <laughs> and they always go that way. If they were going the other way, it'd be her mother in Tooting. Oh, they've gone. It's a bit like a it's this sort of curtain twitching housemaid who knows everyone yeah. else's business because he's mm. got nothing else to do. Mm. I mean, I suppose mm. as well. The other thing I forgot to say last week is that how like rear window the new neighbour is. Mm. Maybe it's a parody of that, but that kind of kind of curtain twitching, nosing about other people. You know, the gossip, you know, it's always funny in comedy. It has been from the years when you'd have people dressing up as sort of old Mother Riley, Arthur Lucan and the characters like that. And it still kind of works in comedy today. So it does does stand the test of time. Yeah, it certainly does. And as I say, I think um, Hattie is brilliant in this. And, and the, the couple of real standout lines for me are the, the simple ones where there's the immediate Hancock put down. She says, I think I'll buy myself a trapeze dress. And after just the tiniest, tiniest pause, Hancock says, hope you fall off it. Uh, it's yeah. just a brilliant line. Hmm, I wonder what I'd look like in the new fashions. I think I'll buy myself a trapeze dress. I hope you fall off it. <laughs> then she's going to knit herself a sweater. And Hancock says that should solve the unemployment problem in the wool industry. It's just a brilliant performance from Hattie and that, that wonderful quick put down from, from Hancock. Mm. But uh, as you say, you look at the words on the paper, you think, well, it's not really that funny, but mm. it's just brought to life so brilliantly by all of the, all of the cast. I think I'll knit myself a sweater. <laughs> well, that should solve the unemployment problem in the wool industry. <laughs> you know how we often talk about Gordon Simpson putting in scripts things that have really happened and things that Hancock have really said. There's one line that I wonder whether it was uh, taking the mickey out of Hancock because he says, I sometimes think, what is it all about? What are we all here for? Yes. And that was uh, something that, that he did in real life, wasn't it? You know, he used to dabble in philosophy and that sort of thing. You know, I sometimes think what it's, what it's all about. What are we here for? Don't you sometimes think that? No. No, of course not. <laughs> And they used to take the mickey out of him for carrying Bertrand Russell around with them all the time. And I just wonder whether that line was written on the basis of uh, what he was like in real life. Could be. Could be, yeah. I mean, it's like with the, the thing, what was Martin was just saying about how... And that's the thing I noticed in this one, of course, the fat jokes against Hattie, you know, you notice them more if you listen to it with a modern ear than you did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago or more. And, uh, and he, you know, it's particularly unkind to Hattie, but then, you know, she is a, a pain in the, in the backside as Griselda Pugh. But she sort of gets her own back in a way, because whenever she says, you've lost the key, she says it in such a smarmy way. She's like, yeah, you know, you've lost the key. I get to deliver this bad news because you've been sort of, maybe it's just me imagining it, but sort of because he's been a bit of a, you know, moaning about her cooking and her knitting and, you know, snide little remarks that he makes. What's on at the other place? It's closed down. <laughs> oh, well, so much for the pictures. 
the spring's gone. <laughs> what are you? June the 21st. What sign is that? The crab. <laughs> well, it's funny. When, when we're talking at the start of this about watching that Eric Sykes DVD, I was reading the, this little booklet inside of notes. In fact, they're so comprehensive, I thought you must have written them, Martin. But um, anyway, <laughs> but one of the things... Didn't do those. <laughs> one, one of the things they mentioned there is that she, she liked Sykes' writing because unlike some other writers, she, he didn't make sort of uh, jokes about her weight and uh, it was all sort of character-based, which I thought was uh, quite telling. Mm-hmm. And wh- whether that was a, a reference back to Gordon Simpson, I don't know. Having said that, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, it was it was just how, how things were in those days, weren't it? Yeah, it was. I think it's, it doesn't always stand up as well in some comedies, but then I'm sure lots of modern ones like Not Going Out, which had a 12 Angry Men sort of like themed episode a few nights ago. Yeah, I'm sure there are little moments of that kind of thing still in comedy, but it's maybe a little bit less... Um, up front and centre, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, when you mentioned earlier about uh, Galton and having a little, perhaps a little joke at Tony's expense in terms of, I sometimes wonder what it's all about. And then obviously you got Clark saying, we thought you were at your peak five years ago. Rosita and I, we think you were at your peak five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you were very funny in those days. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He's having quite a... It's a bit of a, a dig. A very backhanded compliment. Do you, do you think it's all setting, it's, it's setting a real challenge for Tony because there's lots of silences. Uh, we're going to mock you a little bit about your... Well, it must be very worrying for you trying to keep it up week after week, especially with so many good newcomers arriving on the scene. Yes, quite. Yeah. <laughs> and the two lads at the office, they don't like you so much these days either. They don't. No, no. Of course, they're very fickle. I think that's good self-deprecating yeah, humour, isn't it, really? But, uh, when he, and when he says, uh, I think Ted Ray's better than you, mm. I mean, obviously, Ted Ray was, he was one of the big rivals, for, you know, friendly rivals at the time. He was another very big radio star, you know, and, uh, and you know, that was playing to the audience as much as anything else, wasn't it? I thought Ted Ray had the edge on you last week. <laughs> <laughs> And I love as he finishes them and, he, and Clark leaves, he says, do try to make it a bit funnier next week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Mr. Hancock. And do try to make the show a bit funnier next week. Either he moves or I do. I had a, a tweet. There was a tweet way back in early January, which I've left, I haven't mentioned before, and I've left for this very special occasion of, because it was about this very episode of... Um, Sunday afternoon at home. It came in from Rock and Roll Guy on Twitter. I love that name, Rock and Roll Guy. Is that his real name? <laughs> yes, I think it is, Mr. Guy. <laughs> he, he, he was saying that um, he's uh, spotted a bit, a bit of gibberish in, in the episode, and it's a bit where Tony says he was just thinking about poor old Albert in hospital. He's been there a month and nobody's been to see them. And Sid turns around, and what he's supposed to say is, oh, no, have they really? Poor old devil. But when you listen to it, he says, oh, no, and then says something completely unintelligible before he says, poor old devil. And uh, none of us can quite work out what he's actually saying. Yeah, I did notice that, actually, uh, when I was listening to it just again. Did you notice it? 
I've never, I've never noticed it before in all the years, all the years I've been listening to it. I did, but it slipped right under my. I did listen to it and I heard it, but it, it didn't really. I didn't. Mm. It didn't mm. really occur to me that he uh, got his words tangled a little bit. No, I'd not noticed that. I'm going to, mm. having listened to it about six mm. times before this podcast, um, I shall, I shall now <laughs> listen to it again. <laughs> I'm sure John will drop the clip in. I was just thinking about poor old Albert in hospital. He's been there a month and nobody has been to see him. Oh no. Well, in that shot, in that poor old devil. Nobody's been near him. He's just just lying there. <laughs> that makes you feel really rotten, doesn't it? <clears throat> poor old Albert. Well, you, you look, why don't we go and see him this afternoon? We've got nothing to do. Oh, it's a long way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably asleep. He wouldn't want to see us anyway, eh? Mm. We'll go next week. Yeah, all right, then. There's another tweet more recently, Graham Wood. I think he's got a collection of vintage Radio Times and he often tweets pictures from, from Radio Times. And he, he tweeted pages of Radio Times from April 71, when, when this episode was repeated. And uh, Rick Blackman, one of our members who's also on Twitter, noticed that in the Radio Times listing for this episode, Instead of calling it Sunday Afternoon at Home, it was called Sunday Boredom. That's a nice title. But I've seen it referred to as Sunday Afternoon without the At Home before, which I think might have been a working title. But I've never heard it referred to as Sunday Boredom. Now, this was 71, so it was before Wilmot's book where titles were established. But having said that, this episode came out on LP in 1960 and was very clearly called on the LP Sunday Afternoon at Home. Whoever wrote the listings that we just pick at a title. It had already been out there 11 years, so why, why did they change it in Radio Times? But um, interesting. Some editor's whim, possibly, or maybe there was just the tape was labelled as something like Sunday Boredom. Who knows? Ah, that might have been it, might it? Yeah. A Dymo tape or some hand scribble. Yeah, might have been the tape. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Because I think mm-hmm. when we get episodes sent in to us from um, from folks to say, was this a lost episode or an extended episode? Because Ray and Alan didn't put any titles on, the, the titles are what people think that the episode might have been called so that they can well, yeah. identify it themselves. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, and we have in our archives uh, about 20 um, reel-to-reel tapes. Some of the soundtracks to the TV shows, some of the soundtracks to the radio shows, but they're old transcription services, master tapes that were sold to people or taken home or whatever, and they found their way to us. And they've got some of those even have different titles than you would expect the official title to be. Mm-hmm. So they, they were informally known as different things. And I think that just depends on someone described the episode. Oh, it's that one. It's, yeah, Sunday uh, boredom. Sunday boredom. That'll do. Yeah. So who knows? The other thing about this episode, as we're getting to the end of our discussion mm. about it, is in fact the end of the episode. It's it's a great ending to it, yeah. isn't it? When when the clock strikes midnight, and they say, you know, we we've got to get organised. Uh, we can't go on like this. There's millions of things we can do. Um, all right, I'll see you mm. next Sunday. Well, it's the last day I ever spend like it. I'll tell you, we got to get organised. Definitely, we can't go on like this, frittering away our lives like we've done today. We've got to do something constructive. Time is valuable. I agree. So do I. We only live once. Of course we do. There's a million things we could do. Certainly there are. Things like... Yes, like... Well, sure, uh, we could... We could, uh... Like we... 
Uh, I'll see you next Sunday then. Yeah. yeah. Good night. Yeah. Good night. It's one of the best endings, I think, of any episode. It is a good one, isn't it? It's, again, it's a sort of a cyclical thing. You know this is mm. going to get repeated each and every Sunday that they mm. have stuck at home. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I love mm. Bill's comments mm. at the end. He says, mm. it must be the most, oh, Sid, Sid says, it's the most miserable day I've ever spent in my life. And Bill says, we didn't play any games. We didn't play any games. Yes. <laughs> great line, isn't it? It is a great line. That must be the most miserable day I've ever spent in my life. Me too. We didn't play a single game. What yeah. do I keep playing games for? <laughs> <laughs> what indeed? Let's play 20 questions. What do you want to keep playing things for? <laughs> What's the matter with you? Sit still. Let's play murders. <laughs> if you open your mouth once more, we won't be playing murders, mate. They'll be investigating one. <laughs> so I suppose it's probably time for the scores then. So uh, what do you think you're going to give that one then, James? Well, for me, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's right up there with Blood Donor. Everything. I mean, the, the, the script is amazing. I'm um, considering it's so little but everything on there has an importance there's no there's nothing there's no filler in there at all i think it's absolutely perfect i think it's executed superbly by all of the cast it's absolutely timeless it's a really good vision as to what a sunday was like and a quite a distant memory for me um, as a child because it wasn't quite as quiet as that then i can't score anything less than a 10. Uh, it's absolutely faultless i love it all the characters i think this is Kenneth Williams' greatest character, um, in my opinion, in all of his Hancock appearances. Sid, Bill, Hattie, they haven't got an awful lot to say, but when they do, it's delivered absolutely perfectly. There's some great lines. You've got the gravy line. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. I can't score anything less than a 10. I'd score it higher if I could. Absolutely loved it. Well, I'm going to go with James as well. I think it's an absolutely brilliant episode. Um, as you say, uh, James, well executed, really experimental, revolutionary for its day. Uh, silence on the radio with all those with all those laughs and the way that all of the characters deliver those lines so perfectly with different. Well, as you say, it's a masterclass in acting. So, ten out of ten from me. I I'll go one better and give it eleven. <laughs> no, this is um... eleven out of ten. <laughs> I, th I think both James and Martin used the word masterclass, and it is. It's a masterclass in acting. It's a masterclass in writing. It was ahead of its time, and it's timeless. It's just absolutely perfect. Hancock's delivery and his performance is just sublime. The supporting cast do their bit absolutely wonderfully. The, the script is just superb, and I, I can't think of any radio comedy ever that comes anything like Sunday afternoon at home for, for this sort of quality. It's just it's just absolutely superb. I've lost count of how many times I've listened to this episode, and not just in advance of this podcast. It's it's a go-to episode. It's a great one for not enough asleep to of an evening. If you have trouble sleeping mm. at night, whack on Sunday <laughs> afternoon at home. Listen to Tony sighing. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't find any fault with it anywhere. Most things you have a fault somewhere. I can't find any fault in this. It's it's perfect. Ten. Well, there we go. You see, I was going to go for a nine or something because you know what? But I, well, you know, I I, I think who I who is have... this fella? <laughs> You're quite rebellious, aren't you? Eh? 
Oh, I just like to be contrarian. What can I say? But uh, no, I think I'll go with the consensus and give it a 10. I think it's, you know, I do like the more madcap, crazy episodes. I don't know what that says about me. But um, <laughs> this one is technically a, a fantastically written episode by Ray and Alan, fantastically performed by the, the, the cast. And, you know, they, they all have such realistic roles and you can kind of sympathize with the situation of them finding themselves in although not all of our Sundays are quite that quiet anymore but uh, it, it is a a wonderfully put together show it's the first one that came out on LP along with the fantastic Wild Man of the Woods which I think I, I enjoy a little bit more than a Sunday afternoon if I'm going to be perfectly honest but it is a wonderful one and um, yeah 10 out of 10 as well I think and uh, as we recently spoke of course with young Kevin McNally uh, about this episode and it was uh, one of his very favourite shows as well insert clip here when I was young probably one of the first things my dad played me was Sunday Afternoon Alone mm. I mean mm. what an existential comedy and years later on Seinfeld you know they talk about the, the comedy about nothing mm. nothing's new that that, that was created by that one radio program sunday mm. afternoon it's interesting you talk about that because funny enough can you guess what we're going to be well not me personally because i'm james griffith for this evening and this evening alone but right. next week there's going to be a discussion about sunday afternoon oh i'm guessing that's one of your favorites well it, it's you know if i wanted a time capsule of the great works of art in there would be munch's the scream and mm -hmm. it would be Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it's there. It's as big a work of art as anything else. It's utter genius. And I know it's utter genius because I try to play it to friends of mine in America and they can't, they go, why is this funny? Well, that's good. <laughs> genius. It's all in the pauses, all in the pauses. Yeah. Well, it, it must have been incredible when, when that first came on the radio, you know, people sitting at home listening to Hancock in 1950, whatever it was, seven or eight. And Hancock had been on a few years and we'd had all these sitcoms. And then all of a sudden, this Sunday afternoon at home comes on. It, it must have been an incredible event for people to sit down and listen to that, mustn't it? Because it was just nothing like people had heard before. Yes, it was. But what is fascinating about it is, is that it wasn't just silly. People sat and went, why are Sundays like this in England? Why can't you go anywhere? Why can't you buy anything? Why can't you have a drink? And, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was huge social comment. But, but yes, it, but it, the, the thing is that Sunday afternoon is, is social commentary. I think we all felt that during um, the past couple of years. There was definitely yeah. a few months that felt yeah. like a Sunday afternoon for the soul. Well, I think I think during the pandemic they should have put that on on repeat on Radio Four Extra <laughs> on a loop. It would have been perfect for that. Yeah, wouldn't it? Oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear. 
Stone me, what a life. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? One of the ones I love from that is like where they're talking about filling in the newspaper and filling all the middles of the O's and P's and D's in. It's like, oh, you've got a pencil now. I've only yes. got a pen. Oh, well, it, it, you know, it bleeds, doesn't it? It smudges. So you, know, you can't, yeah. can't do it unless you've got a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> amazing stuff i'm gonna go you see i'm not i'm glad i'm not filming tomorrow because i'm gonna be up till three in the morning listening to tony hancock now listen to tony hancock to be well one of the things about that program that i always enjoy is the fact that when it starts and there's all these pauses and the sighing the audience are with him from the start they're laughing out loud without anything happening i mean that that's an amazing achievement isn't it but it's also a, it's also what we were talking about earlier about about the, the how he uh he was comic in silence you know that he wasn't just giving a radio performance and he wasn't being cheap by by you know sort of doing that with the audience he was acting it on the stage oh. like a piece of theater and uh Jesus, well, I would love to have been one of those. I would love to have been mm. one of those. Mm. Uh, in fact, when the time machine is invented and they ask me, do I want to see Rome or the dinosaurs? I'll go, no, I want to see Sunday afternoon <laughs> with Tony Hancock in 1957. <laughs> As we made proper a clip in of you talking about the lovely Sunday afternoon at home, what would you rate the Sunday afternoon at home out of 10, Kevin? Would you give it a, a high score, do you reckon? The thing about Sunday afternoon is it bursts all records it's faster than the speed of light as comedy it's it's tachyonic in its mm. comedy um it, it's uncomparable to anything else it's pure pristine brilliant simple joy that hurts mm. no one and makes everyone laugh to the bottom of their socks um it will never be repeated and it will never be matched again so four out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Ten out of four. <laughs> ten out of four. Ten out of four. Ten that out sounds more accurate. Yeah. Ten out of four. Ten out of four. That's what you want. Kevin gives it four out of ten. Four out of ten. Yeah, that's <laughs> no ten out. I've got that wrong, haven't I? Ten out of four is what he gives it. Ten out of four. So uh, an average or definite consensus then of. Uh, 10 points is almost certainly more an armful. I think you can get at least seven armfuls out of that. So that's about it for this week, Tim. So do you want to take it away with words? Why not join us in the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society today? You can find us at tonyhancock.org.uk for all the information on how to join. For just £13 a year, you'll have access to the members area of our website and receive four magazines a year by email packed with information on Tony, his shows and archive material. Members also get a digital-only bonus page of supplements every quarter, plus occasional special editions on a single theme. Or you can have printed copies posted to your door for £16 in the UK or £26 worldwide. And we're a friendly and welcoming bunch, so please do join. We have reunion events with archive displays and occasional Zoom quiz nights. Please do get in touch. We love questions and conundrums, compliments and feedback. To do so is very easy. Send your emails to podcast at tonyhancock.org.uk. Keep an eye on our Twitter accounts for the latest news on the podcast and all things Tony Hancock. We have three Twitter accounts, which are East Team Lad, Tony Hancock Appreciation Society and Very Nearly an Armful. This was the final episode in our current series, so we'll be back refreshed after a summer break. So don't forget to rate, 
review and subscribe for forthcoming episodes. For now, that's very nearly an armful, so I'll say ta-ta. It's sayonara for me. Chickadee Snitch. And this is GLK London signing off for a quick cough and a drag. Must be nearly 10 o'clock. Feels more like Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) This has been an official podcast of the Tony Hancock Appreciation Society. Unfortunately, it was not written by Alan Simpson and Ray Gordon, whoever they are. The announcer was me, Robin Sebastian, currently appearing in the saloon bar of the Hendon Racket. Wasn't that good, eh, Siv? Wasn't it good, but... Of course, I forgot. They fell asleep hours ago. Pardon? (laughs) You choking? No, no. What a pity.